0: You are listening to Radio Yesterova. You are tuned into the leading internet radio station in the Mother City. You are listening to Radio Yesterova. Our station,
1: our talent, our
0: people. Our people.
2: GONE AT LAST, GONE AT LAST, THANK GOD MY SIN, OH THEY'RE GONE, GONE AT LAST, I'VE HAD A LONG TRIGLE THAT BAD, BAD TIME, And my sins are gone at last. One more time. Gone at last. How many of your sins are gone at last? Oh, gone at last. Thank God my sins. That alone, streak of that bad, bad time, and my sin.
0: You listening
1: to Radio Eastervo. Easter our station, our talent, our people. Now God bless you and welcome to this afternoon's broadcast of a study in the Word. This is Evangelist Elmer addressing you from the studios of Radio Eastervo in Cape Town, South Africa. May the Lord bless you and may you be with you. And I would just like to welcome you to the program and the platform. And please encourage all your friends and your loved ones to download the Radio Eastervo app on the Play Store. You can follow us on Facebook and also on our YouTube channel. And you're just welcome to listen and to receive a blessing. Beautiful song we just listened to speaking about gone at last. My sins are gone at last. And this is a very misunderstood topic. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 29, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And that is why Jesus came, to take away the sin of the world. It does not say sins in the plural, but it says sin in the singular. So he takes away all our sins, the past, the present, and the future. And he did it by sacrificial death on the cross of Calvary. And we're just so ever grateful for what he has done because it was a great thing that he did for us, nothing took his life but with love he gave it and he made the ultimate sacrifice by laying down his life and shedding his blood and we just praise him for that forever and even in heaven he is being praised, if you read in Revelation chapter 5 you will see that even the host of heaven sing unto Jesus and they give him the honor and the praise And the acknowledgement, the recognition that he did the great thing. He did the work of redemption. He laid down his life, he shed his blood and he redeemed us. And therefore he is worthy to take the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. So Jesus alone is worthy and Jesus alone gets the glory. Now I want to read today out of the book of Luke. St. Luke chapter number 10 and we shall read from verse 25. A very well known passage in the Bible. It speaks about the good Samaritan. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answered, and he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he willingly to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and And on the morrow he departed, he took out two pens, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word. So we're speaking tonight about the Good Samaritan. Yes, it is another parable that Jesus spoke. And we know that Jesus spoke between 30 and 50 parables. That was the teaching style of the master. And Jesus was also called a rabbi, which means a teacher, a master. And he was the great teacher. Yes, he was God himself teaching. And the Bible says that it shall come to pass that we shall all be taught of God. Yes, and the Bible even calls Jesus that great teacher. And this was the style that Jesus used to speak. And he spoke many parables so that the scripture might be fulfilled. I will open my mouth and speak unto them in parables and make things known unto them that which have been hidden since the foundation of the world. So this was the speaking style of Jesus. He did not go to any seminary. He did not go to any school of any education whatsoever. He did not have the high-end vocabulary that many people in his days had and even today. But he spoke in a very plain way. And the Bible says that the common people heard him gladly. And Jesus was not qualified in any sense uh, according to the wisdom of the world. But the Bible calls Jesus the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. So he knew all things but and because he is the creator of all things, yes, therefore he knows all things and he can declare all things. And it is not necessary for any man to teach him, but he himself knows all things, hallelujah. He is the master of it all. And we see that the there came a certain lawyer unto him. Now when it speaks to, uh, speaks about these lawyers, it means that those that were learned in the law of Moses. So it's not necessarily those that are learned in earthly laws concerning how, how matters should be governed. But this was an individual that was learned in the law. So he was a theologian by trade, yes. He was schooled and trained in the scriptures. And he came to Jesus asking him a question. But the scripture highlights it and outlines it, that he was asking this to Jesus to tempt him. And there is nothing wrong if we ask questions. Even the disciples ask Jesus Jesus questions. But it is all about the motive behind the question. And here we see that this person had the motive of tempting Jesus. They wanted to snare him in his own words. And if you study the Gospels, you will see exactly that. We see them trying to catch Jesus in his own words, so that they can have reason to cast him into prison and to execute him. And this was the end result. They did, at the end of the day, use his own words against him. And they accused Jesus of speaking blasphemous and making himself equal to God. And according to them, their law, he had to die. But this all happened that the scriptures might be fulfilled they were always pointing people to the law while they themselves were also not keeping the law and we see even with the sabbath they were so aware of the sabbath of resting and it is a commandment that god laid down for his people in the old covenant that they should not work on the sabbath day but rest But at the same time, they forgot that they even worked on the Sabbath when they had to circumcise a little baby of eight days old. And Jesus told them that you circumcise, do circumcision on the Sabbath day, but you condemn me because I do a miracle on the Sabbath day. And we see that this was the motive behind it. It was Satan that was inspiring these religious leaders, and therefore they came to question Jesus. We see that is how Satan also stepped into the, 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 the human race in the beginning. In Genesis chapter 3, we see him possessing the serpent and posing a question to the woman. Is it so that God said you shall not eat of all the trees in the garden? And that is how cunning the devil is. That is his tactic and his uh, technique. That is how he approaches by questioning what God has said. And by questioning what God has said, he sows doubt into the heart of the listener or into the heart of the believer. And that is exactly what transpired here. We see him coming in the heart of this person. And trying to tempt the master. Yes. But we see Jesus being the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Colossians 2 verse 9. In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So God himself dwelt in Christ. And God knew exactly what to answer. How to answer. When to answer. Hallelujah. And here we see that Jesus gives him a counter question. Jesus was asking him. The question came, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now Jesus gives him a counter question. What is written in the law? How readest thou? We see this also in Matthew chapter 4, where the devil came to tempt Jesus. We see him coming with a scripture and telling Jesus that it is written. But Jesus told him it is also written. And here we see again this person tempted. Jesus and asking him a question but then Jesus gives him two questions Jesus counters him and then we see that he even answers what is written in the scripture he tells Jesus that you shall love the Lord your God and you shall love your neighbor unto as yourself and then Jesus says you have answered right do this and you will Love, And now we see that Jesus basically silenced him. Jesus answered him by his own mouth. Yes, by Jesus posing these questions, Jesus knew also what he would answer. And Jesus satisfied him with his own answer. But we see he, him coming across as self-righteous. Because the Bible said that he was willing to justify himself and said unto Jesus, Jesus. Who is my neighbor? So now he's trying to justify himself. He's trying to outsmart Jesus. And now Jesus comes across in a different way. Jesus approaches him from a different angle. And Jesus gives him a parable. Hallelujah. And we see that Jesus used symbols in the natural. He used even uh, human examples from the natural to convey a spiritual message. And here Jesus gives this parable of the Good Samaritan. Now just to give you a background, this Samaritans were a mixed race people. Yes. And there were the Jewish people, which were exclusively the people of Israel, which descended from the 12 tribes of Israel. Israel initially was the patriarch, uh, which was called Jacob, but then God changed his name to Israel. And this Israel had 12 sons. And we have their names listed in the Bible as Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Gad, Naphtali, Asher. Uh, Benjamin, Joseph and Zebulun, and we see that all of them, the 12 uh, sons of Jacob, they beget children, and generation after generation they multiplied. And as they multiplied, we see an entire nation being formed, and that nation is called the children of Israel, the people of Israel. Now they were a nation exclusively. But outside of them, you had many other nations which are referred to as the Gentiles. Yes, the Gentiles are people that are non-Jewish, people that are non-Semitic, people that are non-Israelite people. And we see that the three sons of Noah, yes, all the families that live on the face of the earth today, they stem from the three sons of Noah, which was Ham, Shem, and Japheth. Yes, and all the peoples that inhabit the earth today descend from those three sons of Noah and specifically the people of Israel descend from the son of Noah by the name of Shem and that's why it is referred to them as the Shemitic people or Semitic people. But then there's many other nations, which the Bible gives description in detail. And these other nations are referred to as the Gentiles, yes. They are the outsiders, so they are not included in the people of Israel. They are different peoples, yes. Now, the Samaritans, to give you a better understanding, the Samaritans are people that were mixed Uh, between jewish and gentile people so they were a mixed race people and they were mixed especially after the babylonian captivity yes and they were half jewish half gentile and the jews and the samaritans they did not get along very well the jews were more pure people and then the samaritan was a mixed people and they had their differences with each other and normally They did not really have dealings with each other, but they were related to each other. So this is who the Samaritans were, and if you read in John chapter 4, the woman at the well being a Samaritan woman, and Jesus sitting at the well, we see that this woman was a bit surprised that Jesus as a Jew was asking her for water to drink, as they really, the Jews and the Gentiles don't have much in common, or the Jews and the Samaritans, they were not really... Friendly to which they were more hostile to one uh, towards each other, but here we see Jesus giving a parable about this man. Yes, this man, we don't know what this man was whether he was Jewish, Gentile, or Samaritan, but Jesus says, A certain man he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And now we see that. He's lays in this condition, he's wounded, yes, he's bruised, and different people passing him by. And the Bible speaks about a Levi that passed him, by, passed him by, a Levite. Now, a Levite specifically was a priest, yes. It is somebody that's descended from the tribe of Levi, and it was the tribe of Levi that God chose to serve as priest before him, to minister as priest before him. Now we see the Levite coming and passing by, leaving him in that condition. But here we see somebody else coming by, a Samaritan, yes. And this Samaritan, the Samaritan has a different approach than the Levite or the priest that even passed by. The others overlooked him, but here comes a Samaritan, a stranger that was not in any way related to him. And the Samaritan comes and he shows mercy. We see him taking this man and bounding up his wounds and pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own beast, which was an animal like a donkey or a horse, and brought him to an inn where they took care of him. And we see the Samaritan helping a mere stranger. It is one stranger helping another stranger. And we see the Samaritan even covering the cost of the expenses, the accommodation of this person that was wounded until he was recovered. Now we see after Jesus gives him the parable, Jesus poses a question to him and asks him, Now which of these three do you think was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. And there Jesus once again answered him through his own mouth. Jesus giving him a question and then taking his answer and then shutting him up. Yes. And giving him The last say, the last word, and we should really be careful also with the words of our mouth, because the Bible says of every idle word that man speaks, they shall give an account in the day of judgment. Yes, the Bible says out of your words you will be justified and out of your words you will be condemned. Matthew chapter 12. So our words are very powerful. And here Jesus uses his own words, yes, the words that proceeded out of this lawyer's mouth. And Jesus uses his own words to silence him, yes. And Jesus gives him the perfect answer. Jesus knew already before he wanted to ask that question. Jesus knew what he wanted to ask. And Jesus even knew that person before he was born. So there's nothing that we can hide before the Lord because he is all-knowing, yes. He knows all things. And here we see a perfect example of also what we can learn from this, is yes, to love God, to love our neighbor, but we see also that love is shown in deed and not in word only. It is easy to say, I love you, Lord, but then if you are contrary, if you worship another God, then it just proves right there that you don't love God. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. The same it is with the love towards one another. The Bible speaks about this in 1 John chapter three, That we should not love in word only, but in deed and in truth. Hallelujah. It is easy to say, I love you, but then your actions show something different. But when you say that you love, then you must also prove that you love. And Jesus proved his love to us by laying down his own life. Yes. By sacrificing himself. That is how he showed his love. And the Bible says that no greater love is any man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. That is John chapter 15. That is how he proved his love. And this is also what it's about. It is about doing good. Yes, it is about doing deeds, being truthful and doing good deeds. That is what is also pleasing unto God because it is also seen as an act of obedience hallelujah and this is what god longs of us to do good unto others now good works don't save us the bible says by grace are you saved through faith and not of the works that no man may boast but you are if you are truly saved by grace you would want to do good and not bad now we're going to take a break quickly after that we return to the broadcast of a study in the word and we continue speaking on the good samaritan god bless you
0: you are listening to Radio Yesterova. Our
1: station, our talent, our people. The market offers the best quality, locally sourced, and 100% halal meats. Visit our store at Sanbury Square Mall. Contact us at 021 TPM for your halal meats.
2: sins are gone. they're gone at last i've had long it's really that bad bad time sins they are gone, gone at last i once was lost in sin but jesus took me in Then a light from heaven filled my soul it made my heart love and it wrote my name above just to talk with jesus made me whole My sins, they are gone At last, I've had long The intrigue of that bad, bad time My sins, they are gone It's just like me. I once was lost, but now I'm back.
1: Now God bless you and welcome back to this afternoon's broadcast of A Study in the Word. So we're speaking about the Good Samaritan. And the moral of the story that we can learn here is that we should do good unto others. Even if they're not related to us, even if they're not our relatives, our friends, even if it's a mere stranger. Yes, God also loved us and did good unto us while we were estranged from Him. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, That God showed his love to us in this, that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. Yes, while we were yet sinners. Jesus loved us while we hated him. Jesus did good to us while we reviled him and wanted nothing to do with him. And he proved the example first and then he expects us to follow. As the master, he commands and then us as his followers, we are to obey his example and his command so yes this is what the moral of the story is about that we should love god and we should love our neighbors and this is the greatest commandment yes that you should love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your strength with all your mind and the second commandment that is equal to this that is equivalent to this is that you should love your neighbor as yourself yes now the bible says that no man hateth himself or his own flesh, but you will nourish your flesh, you will take care of it, yes, and the Bible even commands husbands so that they should love their wives as they love themselves, hallelujah, now imagine a man punching himself, imagine a man swearing at himself, imagine a man hating himself, such a man is not in the right state of mind, but a man that loves himself, nurtures himself, takes care of himself, yes, such a man takes good care, And how much more should he also take care of the ones that he loves? Because love is something that is on the inside, that reflects to the outside. Yes, that is what love is. Love gets poured inside your heart by the Holy Spirit, and then that love can then flow out to others. You don't know what the love of God is unless you experience it for yourself. And once you experience the love of God in your own heart, then you can actually love other people yourself. Yes, So we see this is the moral of the story people. This is what God expects of us is to love and to do good. Yes. And we see a deeper picture in this. We see that this man that was injured, that if we look in a spiritual sense, that is what a sinner's condition is like. A sinner is one that is wounded, that is beaten, that is defeated, that is half dead. A sinner is somebody that is really deserted, yes, because sin separates you from the presence of God, yes, sin takes you out of the presence of God, it leaves you isolated and deserted, yes. And we see that many times people are so, such rough sinners that not even the Levite or the priest is willing to help them. It You can reach a point where you become so filthy that no one wants anything to do with you. And here we see the Levite and the priest representing the pastor or the preacher or the minister. And we see them seeing the person in that condition, in that sinful condition, laying there in his own wounds, yes. And then just passing by, but we see that the, the Samaritan comes by and offers help and offers assistance, hallelujah. The Samaritan that seems to be the one that no one would think would be able to do it. The one that nobody believes is able to do it. And the Lord is that person that is able to do it for you. And many times people overlook and they don't think that God is able. But I know that He is able. Yes, my Lord is able. Yes, He's able to do great things far above that which we can ask or pray. And we see the Samaritan man. Not just leaving him there, but the Bible says he bound up his wounds. And that is what Jesus does to the sinner. The sinner that lays in his own blood, yes. The sinner that is on his way to hell. The sinner that is half dead, yes, that is spiritually dead. And on his way to to death to destruction we see Jesus coming and binding up the wounds yes by offering forgiveness and pardon we see that there was a woman in the bible and this woman yes she was caught in the act of adultery in John chapter 8 and we see while everyone condemned her and wanted to kill her wanted to stone her we see Jesus came and he spoke a word That the one that is without sin should cast the first stone. Yes, the one that is without sin. And we see that one by one they were rebuked by their own conscience that they were also sinners. And they walked away. And Jesus asked the woman, woman, where is your accusers? And she said, none, Lord. And Jesus said, I accuse you also not. Go then and sin no more. I condemn you also not. Go then and sin no more. And that is how Jesus binds up the wounds. Now the woman was guilty. She was an adulteress. She was unfaithful to her husband. She did a horrible sin, a terrible thing. But instead of Jesus coming and making it worse, Jesus made it better by offering forgiveness and healing. Hallelujah. Jesus did not command her to go and commit adultery again, but he commanded her to go and sin sin no more hallelujah and that is the 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 result of jesus binding up your wounds he doesn't bind up your wounds so that you can get injured again but he bounds up your wounds so that you can become healed so that you can recover hallelujah and that is why jesus came into the world to save sinners to help people that are bound in darkness and to set them free and to bring them into light now notice he did not only bound him up with wounds but he also poured in oil and wine Now the oil we know throughout the Bible is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, yes. And that is what Jesus can do to a sinner. Jesus can bind up your wounds and Jesus can fill you with the Holy Spirit. Jesus can cast out the unclean spirits and he can fill you with the clean spirit. He can cast out all the unholy spirits and he can fill you with the Holy Spirit, hallelujah. He can take out all those demons that hold you hostage, yes. And we see that this particular man, he was wounded by thieves. And the Bible calls Satan the thief, the robber in John chapter 10. He is the one that robs you of your joy, that robs you of salvation, that robs you of happiness, that robs you of eternal life by bounding you up in your sins. Yes, but we see that Jesus is able to pour oil into the sin. Hallelujah. Jesus can not only forgive you, but he can also fill you with oil, hallelujah, and then we see he also poured in wine, now we know in the natural that wine brings about a stimulation and Jesus is able to give you that stimulation by revelation. When he feeds you with his word, when he opens up his word unto you, it brings about a stimulation, it brings about a refreshing, it brings about a joy, it brings about excitement in your life. And that is what Jesus can do for a sinner. Not just save you and bind up your wounds and forgive you, but he can give you his spirit, Hallelujah, And he can give you a revelation and understanding of his word. And then we see the Samaritan taking, he was taking this, this, uh, this man to an inn where he could be taken care of and where he could recover. And the Samaritan even offered and said, whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. So we see the Samaritan just taking all of the cost upon himself. And that is what Jesus did, he took all the cost upon himself, he took all the sin upon himself, he took all the punishment for the sin upon himself. In Isaiah 53 verse 5 the Bible says, but he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Jesus paid it all, hallelujah, he took all the cost upon himself. Yes, now Samaritans, as I said, they were people that were really, they were rejected, yes, and so it was also with Jesus, he was rejected, and Samaritans were seen as despised people because they were mixed, yes, and the Jews despised the Samaritans, yes, and so it was also with Jesus, now Jesus was not the Samaritan, but if we look at the similarities we see just as Samaritans were despised and rejected so also Jesus was despised and rejected and nobody probably thought that a Samaritan would extend help to a man that was in such a condition because many people despised and rejected Samaritans but here we see also Jesus being despised and rejected as Isaiah 53 says he is the one that comes along the scene and he extends a helping hand hallelujah he helps us He. Saves us. It is not us saving ourselves, but it is he saving us. Yes, binding up our wounds and cleaning us. Hallelujah. Now, when Jesus binds up your wounds, he does a proper job. The Bible says that when God forgives us, he remembers our sins no more. So in God's memory, it is erased. Hallelujah. And people might still say you did this or you did that. But God cannot recall it because as far as the east is from the west, so God removes our transgressions. He takes it away from us. It can no longer be remembered. Yes, it is taken out of his memory. And that is the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Yes, that is the power of justification. Justification means just as if I never did it. Yes, when God justifies you, God makes you pure and clean and he presents you in a state and condition as if you never did the sin to begin with. That is how clean God makes you when you come to him. Hallelujah. And he gives you his oil and he gives you his wine. He gives you the Holy Spirit and he gives you the stimulation of the revelation. Yes, he reveals his word unto you and he covers all the costs upon himself. Now people, salvation comes from God. It is an act of God. Yes, there are three works of grace that the Bible uh, outlines. The first is called justification. Hallelujah. The second is called sanctification. And the third is called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And these are works of grace. It does not come from man. It comes from God. It is God that justifies you. It is God that sanctifies you. It is God that fills you with the Holy Spirit. It is God that gives you the forgiveness of sins. It is God that heals your body. It's an act of God. It's a work of grace. It's God extending his favor and grace to you. It is nothing that you can do to merit it, but it is a gift of God. Eternal life is a gift of God. And this is where this entire passage started. It was about a lawyer asking Jesus, what must he do to inherit eternal life? Yes. Now eternal life is found in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 1 John 5, verse 10 and verse 11 up to verse 12, that this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And thus eternal life is in his Son. He that is the Son of God has eternal life. But he that does not have the Son of God does not have eternal life. What you need is the Son of God in your life. When Jesus lives in your heart, hallelujah, you have eternal life. Just open the doors of your heart and let him come in. Just let him bind up all those wounds. Just let him touch you. Just one word from Jesus Christ and your sores will disappear. One word from Jesus Christ and healing will come for your body. One word from Jesus Christ and your sins will be instantly forgiven. Yes, the Lord is still that good Samaritan. The Lord is still that good and faithful one. The Lord is still good lord and he can still heal you he can still save you he can still set you free he can still redeem you you need to just believe only believe in the lord jesus christ and you shall be saved. let us close our eyes dear lord thank you for granting me the privilege once again that i can speak in your name thank you for an opportunity lord and i pray that you will just now take these broken up words these chopped up words in the short little sermon and that it will reach the ends of the earth. For those that I need, Lord, those that need a savior, those that need a healer, you are our savior and healer. And I just pray, Lord, that you will touch them in the most marvelous way. Bless us now further, Lord, and be with us in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Now, as I go off the air, we listen to that song again, Gone at Last. May the Lord bless you until the next time. Keep in my prayers, in your prayers, as I even keep you in my prayers. And God be with you in Jesus' holy name. Amen.
0: You are listening to Radio Yesterova. Yesterova frequency.
2: Mm-hmm. Outstation
0: out there. Dead-
2: Man it wrote my name above Just to talk with Jesus made me whole